Hey, good morning, all. Happy Saturday. Uh, welcome to this one, this P180 uh, podcast week in review, April 15th through the 19th. Um, this one's probably going to be a little longer. Uh, wrote about a lot of different things this week. Um, came up with some new dreams and schemes and uh, kind of just dealt with the whole standardized testing angst and, and all that comes with that. So anyway, let's let's get started. Uh, first one's called Weird World, Project 180, Day 137. Um, here we go going to be a weird week. No smiles, no frowns, desks in rows, silence. I will frequently wonder if I'm in the right room. We started testing today. My sophomores will take the Smarter Balanced Assessment this week. In Washington, passing the SBA is a graduation requirement. Of course, this has been the reality for some time now. Graduation has been tied to state testing for a number of years, and over those years, it has taken different forms with different names. As I indicated in last Friday's post, wearing guilt. This current form claims to be more valid, more more reliable, more smarter. But so did each new iteration before it. In the end, it's still just a standardized test. And it's still a stranger come to claim domain over students learning, sorting kids into winners and losers. Here is a Twitter thread from this weekend, which shares my enduring concerns for this enduring reality by any name. Twitter thread. In the coming weeks, hundreds of thousands of kids will receive a data label. Fours will smile victory, threes will sigh relief, and twos and ones will frown defeat. And despite our earnest attempts to mitigate the impact for our less than threes, telling them this is only transitory, this doesn't define you, the damage will be done, the label will stick. For many, because it happens every year, the damage is done, the label has stuck. For me, though it was a different time in education, and we didn't have to pass state tests to graduate, there were other tests that handed out data tags, other tests that sought to control the narrative of kids' learning journeys. I received such a label once, and I've hit it for 30 years. Had to. It's embarrassing. How could I, an English teacher, show that I only scored a 400 verbal on the SAT, that I had to jump through remediation hoops in college to prove my verbal capacity with the English language? Of course, there is more to the story. I was the first in my family to ever go to college. We didn't even know the SAT existed, so I had no idea what to expect when I showed up to take the test on a Saturday morning 30 years ago this spring. English had always been my strongest subject. It's why I decided to become an English teacher, so I was crushed when I got the scores back, almost decided to pursue something else. I was a, quote, loser. So I thought, I now know I wasn't, but it has taken me years to reconcile that, years to come out with it, Even now, I worry some of my followers here on Twitter are reconsidering me after learning about my dismal SAT scores. Seriously, I know that's silly, but that's the enduring reality of such labels. In the end, I have been lucky. I have removed my past label, maybe. For now, I know the label was wrong. I quickly and easily jumped through the hoops to establish my verbal abilities. And now I know that it was a false fiction. It was not my story. But this spring, when our kids get their newly minted tags... Will they know such things? Will they know that this is a stranger claiming to know their story? Will they know they can and should move past this? I don't know. Will they know that the test is as likely to get it wrong as right? I don't know. But I think we have to do our part to protect slash preserve our kids' stories. We have to help them understand it all, even if we don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why we continue to let this false narrative reign. End of Twitter thread. 
But despite my resistance and revulsion to this stranger non grata, I will not let my negativity, negativity set the tone this week with my kiddos. I will encourage and assure, much as I did in my conversation with Jay on Friday. Sigh. What, what if I don't pass? The SBA. It won't be the end of the world. All you can do is show up and play the game as best you can. If it so happens you don't pass, it's not game over. You'll just have to play another round. Regardless of the outcome, kiddo, this is not a defining moment. It's a hoop to jump through. Do not let it define you. I, you, we know who and where you are in your journey. I am proud of you. Just make your best jump next week and continue your journey. And that is just what we will do today as we find ourselves in a weird world. Continue our journey. It's all we can do. Happy Monday. Sorry for my my tone of late. Hard time of year, but this too shall pass. Of course, I've been saying that for years. Do reflect. Do better. End of post. On to the next post. Okay, this one's called uh, The Sound of Silence, Project 180, Day 138. Silence has a sound. I heard it yesterday. I leaned in to listen to its eerie presence in room 206 as my kids sat silently taking the state test in a room where silence is strange. And in its strangeness, I found the muted voices of my little humans whose silence was not consent, but rather resignation. And it is that resignation that screams at me in its silent compliance, for it is not us. I knew it. The kids knew it. And I think on some level they thought maybe I could save the day, smite the stranger. But alas, I was silent too. Oh, I tried to rebel a bit. We did smiles and frowns on sticky notes, posting them on the front board as I handed out test tickets, quote, wasting valuable testing time. But even this was a muted moment, not the rousing rebellion I had imagined in my head. No, just silence. An administrator walking in may have lauded the absence of sound and marveled at the diligence of students. It was an ideal testing environment, but in their perceived assessment, they would have been death, deaf to the silent screams of why, reverberating around the room, deeply etching guilt into my being, for I know not why. Of course, I know the attempts to explain the why of testing. I have heard them all before, but they fall woefully short of reassuring me there is any real purpose or value to standardized testing. Yet, they persist. They talk the talk, and in their talk they make just enough noise to drown out those who would resist, and we are left in silence. But that silence is not empty. That silence is not dead. There is sound in that silence, and once that silence finds an ear, it will be the tree that falls in the forest. But that day is yet to come. For now the silence lingers. It waits, and while it waits, it grows. It grows in me, waiting for an opening, waiting for a moment. And that moment may be sooner than later, for I am not sure I can bear the guilt of silence much longer, as my kids look to me with why in their eye. Happy Tuesday, all. Please bear with me. I swear it's a near schizophrenic experience to be a teacher during state testing. Do reflect. Do better. End of post. Next post. This one's called Chasing Better. Dreams of a feedback only. Oh, wait a minute. Did I mess up? Oh, oh, sorry guys. This is a supplemental piece. This is not one of the morning... Uh, morning post. This was a, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in state testing and I've got to do something. And so I, I came up with this idea. It's, 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 it's a longer post called Chasing Better Dreams of a Feedback Only Classroom. It's also on April 16th. Sorry for the little mix up there. 
always a better around the bend. Though I've been gradeless for three years now, in my earnest attempt to emphasize learning by de-emphasizing grading, I am still not satisfied with my approach, for it still relies on numbers which impact how my students, quote, see their feedback during their learning experiences. It seems regardless of what I write or say, the number speaks first and most. I want to get away from this. Parenthetical. I know Ruth Butler speaks to, and there exists a body of work to support this, but I have yet to read any of her work. I will, but it makes sense to me without her work, and I mean that most respectfully. Over the past two years, I have used an approach I call performance learning. Essentially, performances are assessment. The only th are assessments. The only thing I grade, it's the only thing I grade. I use a three-point system to mark the performance. Three equals met standard, two is a near miss, and a one is a far miss. With each number, I also provide feedback. For twos and ones, the feedback indicates why they missed and what they need to do next time. And next time is key. With this assessment as learning approach, retakes are encouraged. Really, they're expected. My kids go into all performances knowing that for, the most, for most of them, it's a matter of when, not if, there's a next time. In general, this approach has been positive, has been a positive productive step for me as I have distanced myself from traditional grading. Even so, the approach is lacking. So this is one of the reasons I am seeking better. There are other reasons. Data, data, who's got the data? I have come to see learning as a story, a complex idiosyncratic tale that is hard to pin, especially when we try to put it into standard numbers and letters. This is yet another compelling reason for my venturing into the gradeless realm three years ago. A grade never, I repeat, never felt sufficient. In truth, even more, it never really felt accurate. So, unsettled by this, I sought better, still seeking better. That's why I'm writing this, but at some point, betters meet, and then it becomes a question of who's better is better. Things happen differently in the gradeless classroom. They have to. Nearly all teachers I know who've gone gradeless are doing it in response to the inadequacy of traditional grading practices. It's the nature of the journey. We have to do things differently. And while things have changed, for the better most of us believe, within our rooms, the rest of the world remains largely unchanged without. And that interface between worlds presents challenges. Many of us have found ways to overcome these challenges, and we do so willingly because we believe in what we're doing. The extra effort is worth it. From explaining our work to parents to finding clever ways to manipulate our online gradebooks, we have found ways to make our different work within our walls. But what about outside our walls? What happens when these worlds collide? As many of you know, I am no fan of standardized testing. I find it a false narrative, at times deeply at odds with the stories we pen in our, in our room all year long. Of late, as I have begun to more publicly and pur purposely resist, the chances for these at-odds moments are likely, into, are likely to increase as I shrug the test and embrace instead the experiences in my classroom. I imagine there will be a disconnect, a discrepancy in the data. The outside data and the inside data will tell different tales. Such is the risk of different. Such is the risk that discourages many to do differently in the first place. I have risked much in the past and I will risk much in the future, but risk is not without preparation. I was prepared when I went gradeless three years ago. I will be prepared with this next phase, this next evolution of Project 180, a tale of two experiences. The initial genesis of this most recent plan to do differently actually occurred during a recent PLC meeting where my team and I were discussing our findings from a common assessment, an argumentative letter. Yeah, I'm a sellout, it was test prep. And we arrived at this place where we were wondering about what our data revealed versus what the SBA might reveal. What if the two, ta what if the two told different tales? And it got me to thinking about the value of qualitative data and telling kids learning stories, thinking that the day ever came where we had to reconcile the difference in data 
How could we relate? How could we, how could the kids relate their learning experiences in a way that could, would stand up to the inquiry? We would have to have our act together in a particular, for I do far, I do far differently than they would really have to have it together. So I started thinking, kids have to present a compelling tale to stand up to the truth of standardized, the quote, truth of standardized data. My kids already collect a portfolio of evidence all semester long, but I am not sure it is truly compelling, particularly to outside eyes, but that is a secondary reactionary concern. More to the point, how can I create an experience where we can capture growth moments? That's the primary for me. That's the tale I want my kids to write. That's the tale I want them to tell. But as I wrestled with how that manifests itself in kids' learning experiences, I always hit a snag, and then finally it dawned. It's the numbers. It's the damn numbers. They tell they, they tell a tale too short. They end the tale too soon. I have to get rid of the numbers. I've known for a long time that the sweet spot in learning is the feedback cycle, but I've also known, experienced, bemoaned that feedback gets tainted by numbers. So yesterday, I decided to devise a way to get rid of the numbers, but I'm not fully ready to share that yet, for I have a lot of processing to do. This is going to be a big different. I wanted to share this this to create some context for my change, to share my why before my what and how. I know holes exist in my thinking. That's the nature of chasing better. There are always holes, but that, but this is what I have for now. My thinking moving forward is hovering around these questions and ideas. What is learning? We learn from experiences. Experiences provide feedback opportunities. Feedback opportunities promote growth. Growth is evidence of learning. Learning is a goal. So our goal is to provide meaningful growth experiences so each student may learn. But what makes a growth experience meaningful? Here's a list I've come up with. I believe it includes relevance, choice, agency, standards, criteria, feedback, support, reflection, and self-assessment. That's my rough shove of my idea into the world. Any questions or feedback would be welcome and appreciated. Do, reflect, do better. End of post. Uh, this one's called The Better and Bane of the, excuse me, The Beauty and Bane of Better, Project 180, Day 139. Dream of, dream of an end you'll never catch and chase it every day of your life. Better. It's a word I often float. It's a path I persistently pursue. And that's good, right? Well, not always. Better benefits, no doubt. But better costs, too. Benefit of better. Better drives me to places both professionally and personally that I'd never reach if I stayed stuck in place. So I relentlessly pursue my next, convinced that's the key to success. Again, dream of an end you'll never catch and chase it every day of your life. And so I chase. And whether it is a pioneering spirit or just simply ADD, likely the latter, I am constantly on the move. Never one who's found much comfort in the way things are. I constantly dream of the way things might be. As such, this, I believe, has made me a better teacher, a better husband, a better father, a better human. Cost of better. As awesome as it feels, better has side effects too. Constant change is exhausting. And whether it's a look back at all the work that led to the present better, which will now be left behind, or the look ahead at all the work in front of the next better, it is an exhausting existence. It's also scary. As one who finds no comfort in the status quo, I am never comfortable. And a measure of comfort is necessary for stability, for sanity, for security. So, then, to varying degrees and at varying moments, I am unstable, insane, and insecure. Did I just say that? 
probably not a wise admission if one wants to keep his followers. Kidding, mostly, aside, better is scary, and scary can be lonely. Most cling to comfort, and I cannot blame them. In fact, I often envy them. Many a day I wish I could stay, just stay. But I know my envious moment is fleeting as I keep constant vigil on the horizon, on the horizon wondering what's ahead, knowing I will not pause, knowing that I will not stay, that I cannot stay. And because there are fewer than more who venture far from their place of comfort, at times lo it's lonely chasing better. Please know I am neither pointing fingers nor suggesting that their staying is bad and that my moving is superior. It's just the nature of the chase. At least in place, one never really gets lost. Bereft of place, one is frequently lost. And that is the self-inflicted loneliness. And that is self-inflicted loneliness. If I am lonely, it is largely my fault. But I take heart in knowing that even if I'm lost and lonely, I am not alone. Not at all. There are a number of folks I have met on my journey, near and far, who too chase better, and I am made less lonely. Of course, I'm off again. The horizon called and I answered yesterday. I gave preview of my new path. I'm going to completely revamp my grading approach for next year by trying to create a learning environment fueled by, fueled only by feedback. It, I believe, will be better, but it will be exhausting, frightening, and lonely. All things I've come to expect and accept from this beautiful, baneful existence of better. Still testing. Today we enter into, quote, day two of testing. We're in a block schedule, so though we have been testing for two days, really it's the kid's second day of testing. And the silence, well, it screams at me. Happy Wednesday, all. Thank you for enduring my ADD. Do reflect, do better. End of post. This one is called A Look Inside, Project 180, Day 140. Morning, all. Don't have much today. I'm growing weary of whining about testing, and I suspect you're getting tired of listening to me, so I won't go there today. I could. Lots to whine about still, but I won't. Instead, I will look ahead. Been chewing on some more ideas for next year. Been trying to refine the tenets of the Project 180 classroom as I look ahead to its next evolution. Still scheming and dreaming, but here's some of what's bouncing around in my head. The Project 180 classroom considers how students feel, builds and maintains relationships, focuses on feedback, believes school should happen at school, peddles possibility, offers opportunity, defines learning as growth, prioritizes standards, believes in assessment as learning, rejects grades and standardized testing, recognizes learning happens in different ways and at different times for each student, embraces mistakes as necessary steps in the learning process, humanizes the educational experience, requires reflection, seeks commitment, not compliance, insists students take ownership of their learning, embraces noise, believes learning is a story to be captured and told by the learner, evolves constantly, defines success criteria for learning experiences, requires retakes, believes students' needs are more important than the teacher's wants, meets students where they are, believes learning conversations, conferences with students, are critical components in learning, seeks to inspire other teachers to innovate, not imitate. Well, that's what's rattling around in my head, and though they are not final and forever in flux, these are the thoughts and ideas that drive me, the thoughts and ideas that I hope are reflected in my word and my work, the thoughts and ideas that show on my outside as well as my inside. Happy Thursday, all. Last, quote, official day of testing, but there will be several kids who have to continue tomorrow. And that, well, I promised I wouldn't whine, so I'm not going to whine.
I'm not going to whine. Do reflect, do better, end of post. Um, final post for the week. Uh, this one's called Wrestling Wonder Project 180, Day 141. But how will we catch their learning? Been wrestling with a lot of ideas the past few days as I dream and scheme about the creation of a feedback-only classroom. But the most formidable opponent I've been grappling with is how I will capture learning. My thinking to this point has pushed me to consider story as my desired end based on the early and emerging rationale for creating this feedback-focused experience for my kiddos in the first place. What is learning? We learn from experiences. Experiences provide feedback opportunities. Feedback opportunities promote growth. Growth is evidence of learning. Learning is the goal. So our goal is to provide meaningful growth experiences so each student may learn. Yesterday I was able to make some headway with my messy thinking. I started with the end in mind, for in the end I want kids to capture their learning as stories stemming from growth moments. Here is why I have roughed out in that regard. I don't think I can do this, guys. Um, so you'd have to actually go to the post and see the story, learning story elements diagram um, that I created. Um, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, it's still a rough sketch, um, but I think that you have to see it visually. Um, and it's so small right here, and I don't have the other one with me, so I'm just going to trust that you're going to do that. Um, continue, continuing with the post. This or some future better draft of this is what I hope will empower my kids to capture and tell their stories as we make our way through the feedback cycle to their growth moments. That is what I want. Consequently, that is what I never really found with traditional grades, which purported to tell the story, but they were always a report too short. They never truly told the tale. Numbers and letters get in the way, often creating ends before the learning has even begun. My belief, and certainly neither mine first nor exclusively, is that feedback is the stuff of learning. It is what compels and propels learners but it also propels and compels teachers. I will no longer, quote, hide behind symbols, pretending they are an adequate language to communicate learning. Without them, I will be exposed. I will have to be a better feedbacker, ever mindful of the fact that I am co-authoring my kids' learning stories every time I open my mouth or move my pen. And this is the, my next match, my next wonder to wrestle, the how of feedback. Happy Friday, for the most part, Done with testing. So glad to authentically engage my kids today. Been an artificial week. Feel like we get our classroom back today. Do reflect. Do better. And that wraps up this week's P180 podcast uh, week in review. Um, thanks for being with me. Um, I appreciate everyone who who listens and I appreciate everyone who chimes in. Have a great rest of the weekend.